Well, did you ever do the classic science project when you were in school about the solar system? Anybody? Just curious. Anybody? Maybe a few of you? Yeah. If you didn't, maybe you saw one. Maybe, you know, you were the kid that had the really cool one that somehow was motorized or that would at least spin around. And when you would make those, it would always uh, orbit around the sun to help illustrate how the planets work in the solar system. And we would learn how that the sun is the center of our solar system and that life on our planet could not exist without the sun because everything that rotates around the sun, the sun is, is giving life to our planet. And we understood so much about that. So we understand that much like our sun, that in the way that it orbits, uh, that, the, that our planet orbits around it, that our lives orbit around something as well, something that fuels us, something that gives us life, something that affects literally everything that we do. And as we go through our core values of word of grace, we're going to start with the why that drives us, with the why that affects everything, with what's at the center, with what's at the core, and that is Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the center. And as we go through these values, we want the church to really grab a hold to, these are the things that really help us to be defined, to help us see who we are as a local congregation, to see who Word of Grace is called to be and how we're supposed to operate and move forward. And everything has to start with this. And I know that we could say Jesus is first, and that is also true, but I like saying it this way better, that Jesus is at the center. Because if he were first, then that would indicate maybe there were something second, third, fourth, or fifth, and we could just kind of move on after we had done the first thing. And I want us to get in the mindset and the mentality of if Christ is at the center, he's literally affecting and touching everything, not just categorically, but everything in our lives. And here's why we believe that Jesus is the center. Jesus is the center because Christ alone is the hope of the world. Every one of these values, we're going to be teaching the why statement behind it. And the why statement behind Jesus being the center is because we believe Christ alone is the hope of the world. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of people say uh, that uh, they believe that the local church is the hope of the world, and I understand what they're saying, but I would disagree with that statement because I would say that Christ alone is the hope of the world. Amen? I, I believe that Christ himself alone is the hope of the world, that our hope comes from Jesus Christ, and we put our hope and our faith in him. There is no institution, there is no religion, there is no program, there is no person that we can put our hope in outside of Christ, because Jesus truly is the hope of the world alone, all by himself. He is the hope, he is that way maker. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. And we're just going to hang out in Romans chapter 5 today. We're going to go through the, uh, the entire chapter here. So Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Rome and helping them to understand and, and, and as he was led by the Holy Spirit, see what the Spirit may lead us to see as well through what Paul was inspired to write. Romans chapter 5, we're just going to read the first couple of verses to get things going. Paul says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access 
by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And he says we have been justified by faith. This was the statement that sparked Martin Luther's Reformation, the justification by faith alone, not by works, not by anything that we could do, but through faith alone. And we see here that Paul says, since we have been justified by faith, we know we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and through Him we have obtained access by faith into what? Into grace And we stand in that grace and we rejoice in the hope that we have in the glory of God. Now, as we see, we've been justified. What does that mean? What does that word justified mean? As we talk about justification as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, that word justification is a legal term. It's a legal standing, legally, positionally, that we are made right. We are made in right standing with our holy and perfect creator God. Through what? Through faith alone, through faith in Christ. We are legally in right standing. Legally, our debt has been paid. Legally, we are justified. And we are made in right standing with our holy, perfect creator, God. And that is what makes Jesus Christ alone the hope of the world. That right there, that statement in and of itself, he is the justifier. He is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. It is truly in what Christ has done alone that he has made us legally positioned as rights, right standing in righteousness, being clothed in the righteousness of Christ by what he has done and not in and of ourselves. Acts 4 and 12 says this about Jesus. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no one else. There's no other name by which we can be saved. It is Christ alone. It was because of Christ. It is through Christ. It is in Christ. That is where our identity comes from. That is what should be at the center of the values, not only of this local congregation, but at the center of every one of our lives. Amen? Because Christ does something. When He is the center of our lives, He changes us. He makes us new. He puts us positionally in right standing in the eyes of God. So now we can be made right. We who are, who are sinful, we who have, have, have that tendency to be drawn away from what is right and what would please God, and we who can be drawn away into sinful uh, a lifestyle and sinful thinking and sinful action and behaviors, we see that Jesus alone is the justifier. He's the one who has brought us and made us legally in right standing. And he does something. Not only does he put us in right standing, but then he begins to influence our behaviors. He begins to influence and change our thought patterns, what we value, what we focus on. And Christ influences and drives our decisions and our behaviors as well. This is what happens when Christ is at the center. He begins to influence. He begins to affect. He begins to make an impact on every area of our life. So when I'm in Christ and he's at the center, not only am I legally, not only am I made positionally righteous in the eyes of God through what Christ has done, through my faith in him, but now he begins to influence my thought patterns. 
He begins to influence the things that I value, the things that maybe were important to me before Christ was at the center of my life. Now that Christ is at the center of my life, things begin to shift. Things begin to change. Because listen to me this morning. If you are not different, and if you're not being made different because of Jesus Christ, then you need to evaluate, am I really placing Christ at the center, or is Christ just on the shelf? Because if he is at the center, he cannot help but affect every aspect of your life. You can't help it. It's not something you try harder to get better at. It's not something you work to try to develop as much as it is when Christ is at the center of your life. He begins to touch and affect everything. No one says, man, I, I really hope that the sun does its job of keeping us all alive today as our planet orbits around the sun. I hope the sun really tries hard or our, our planet's going to try really hard to be impacted by the sun today. No, it just happens. Why? Because it's at the center and because everything that it touches, it begins to bring life. It begins, begins to bring warmth. It begins to bring stability. All of the things that you and I, that we need to be impacted by Christ, it comes from him being at the center. And when he is at the center, he influences and he drives our decisions. He drives our behaviors. Let's look at verse 3 in Romans chapter 5. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, now there's a different value system. Why? Because I recognize I've been justified. Because I recognize I'm, I'm in right standing with a holy and perfect God. And Jesus being at the center not only changes my eternal destiny, but it changes my daily life. And because he's changing my daily life, I can endure suffering. I, I can continue to persevere through suffering. I can develop patience. I, I can develop character. I can develop the hope that I need to continue to move forward and live my life in a way that's going to please, honor, and glorify God because he is at the center of everything. The things we push through, the reason, the why that we continue to persevere is all wrapped up in the love that Christ has shown us. This is why we reach out to the jail this is why we have a Monday night service. This is why we're going to be moving forward to pursue uh, uh, streaming and connecting with those who are uh, in, in the nursing home. This is why we make these efforts, not because we're just sitting around twiddling our thumbs going, oh, I wonder what something neat to do would be. I wonder if there's something that we could do that would make us feel good because we're being philanthropic or, 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 or we're, we're being benevolent. No, it's intentional because something is influencing our behavior. Something is influencing our decisions. Something is affecting the way that we think and what we value. And it's driving us. And what is that? Well, when Christ is at the center, it truly is that love that he has given us. It truly is that awareness and that awakening and that realization of the depth of the love of Christ and now I understand not only am I positionally right in the eyes of the Lord because of Jesus, but because he's at the center, now I'm thinking differently. I'm responding differently. I, I'm acting differently. Let's keep reading Romans chapter 5. And verse 6 says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, then much more, now that we are reconciled, shall be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we, through whom we have now received reconciliation." that text right there i don't know what it does to you but it makes me want to run through a wall and leave like cartoon imprint you know like you see just running smooth through the wall and there's nothing but an imprint of my body because man i just i feel like i could just mow that thing down when i read this stuff because it gets me so excited to be reminded of the gospel because this is the message of the gospel and we have to do something church we've got to get this we've got to get this do not miss this today because you may be familiar and you're like yeah i know jesus is supposed to be the center and we're supposed to put him first i mean first center i get it pastor i mean i know that you're 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 thinking at some level there's familiarity with some of these texts with some of these thoughts with some of these ideas don't check out on me because you've got to catch something and we need to get this today. We need to recognize the value of being justified by faith in Christ. We must recognize the value in being justified by faith in Christ. The saving of the coming wrath of God because of Jesus Christ. You and I, we, we are saved from the wrath of God because of Jesus Christ. We are now reconciled into a right relationship with God because of Christ. And it should influence and change our behaviors because the love of God has been shown to us through Jesus Christ. It should stir such a deep gratitude. And that gratefulness, that thankfulness should drive us to serve. It should drive us to give. It should drive us to want to be available it should drive and motivate and move us in our commitment to Him. It's not just something we're doing because we're trying to all be nice people. It's not something we're doing because we're trying to just hold a high moral line. Morality is great. We should be moral people. But that's not the goal for us to just be a gathering of, of, of high moral society that is just trying to live a good, clean life and be nice to people. There is so much more. That is a byproduct of Christ being at the center is morality. But it is not the, the, the end goal. The end goal is I am justified by faith. That's why, man, the thief on the cross when Jesus was being crucified, he was hung in between two thieves and, and there's one on one side, one on the other. One guy didn't want anything to do with Jesus, but the other guy said, would you remember me? In other words, he was confessing, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe the stories. I believe the things that I've heard, and I know where you're going, and, and I know that my only hope is you. So would you remember me this day? Because I know I'm about to die. And Jesus said, you're going to be with me in paradise. Why? That guy didn't have a chance to live out morality. 
He didn't have a chance to make some good decisions to prove himself to Jesus. He didn't have an opportunity to go right all the wrongs he had done because he's, he's dying. He's got a few breaths left, and he just mustered up the strength to ask a, 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 a fellow person hanging on the cross to save him. And Jesus said, I'll do it. I'll save you. Today you'll be with me in paradise. The guy didn't have a chance to live this thing. I didn't have a chance to improve his walk or join a Bible study. <laughs> this was it for him. So the goal here is reconciliation. The goal here is justification by faith because this brings glory to God because it shows how big God is in spite of how messed up we are. And when we see that, it should stir in us such a profound gratitude, such a profound, deep thankfulness that it influences, it drives us, it shapes us. The way that we move forward in life, everything, everything is driven by this now because it's at the center. It's at the very center. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And the more that I hear the message of the gospel, the more thankful I should become. And if I'm not more thankful when I hear the message of the gospel, I need to stop and I need to say, Lord, help me to rem remember the value of Jesus so I won't get complacent, so I won't get, uh, uh, treat the things that are supposed to be sacred as, as common, but that my heart would still be attuned to recognizing the weight and the value of who he is and what he's done because he did not have to do this for you and me. He did this for us and it has saved us. We are now legally in a position because of faith in Christ that now we're saved from the wrath of God, the wrath of God where justice is going to be served to those who have rejected his opportunity, his, his free gift of grace, to where the, those who have rejected and who have despised and who have still chosen to, to live their lives separated from God, they're going to eternally reap that lifestyle of not being with God by eternally being separated from Him. And those of us who have said yes to Jesus, those of us who have put our faith in Him, we are saved from that wrath of God that's rightfully just being poured out. Man, I, we were talking through the Bible with our kids the other night, and uh, somehow the story of the prodigal son came up. And uh, it wasn't even what we were reading. I don't, I don't remember how it came up. But as we were reading that story, um, someone made an observation as we were talking about it, that when the son who had been living, you know, just worldly pleasure, doing whatever he wanted to do, he had rejected his father. When he ended up going uh, to work for the pig farmer because he ran out of money, ran out of friends, and he's going to work for the pig farmer, but there's a famine in the land, and he's like, you know, jonesing over the pig slop there. He's going like, man, I wish I could have some of that. But he knows he can't even eat that. It's not even something that's for him. It's for the pigs. And, and he gets this bright idea, and he says this. He says, maybe I can go back home to my dad. 
the one whom I've rejected, the one who I basically said, I wish you were dead, just give me my inheritance. You're no good to me uh, living. I would rather you be dead, so I'm just going to go take my inheritance and do whatever I want with it. And the dad gave him that opportunity to do that. And then here he is, he said, I'm not worthy to be his son anymore. And that was the truest statement that that young man had made. Actually, the prodigal son was not worthy to be called a son anymore because he had basically said, Dad, you're dead to me. He had basically said, I don't want to be your son. He had rebelled. He had rejected. And he said, maybe, maybe my dad will take me back as a servant because he knew the character of his dad. And he was hoping maybe he could go back and be a servant. Maybe my dad would show me some grace and I would get to be a servant. But Honestly and truthfully, one of the observations that I think one of my kids made, which was pretty cool, was that he wasn't even worthy to be called a servant because he had basically said, you're dead to me. I want nothing to do with you. He was not worthy to even go back home, but he still chanced it because there was a famine in the land. He was tired of serving pigs. He thought maybe, just maybe there's a chance. And he goes back and his father sees him from a far way off, Jesus said in this parable. And he said he runs to him. He runs to him, and he, and, he, and he grabs him, and he's so excited to see his son. And the son starts his speech. He goes through it. He says, you know, I'm not worthy to be your son. I get that. You know, I'm here. I'm just trying to get a job. Can I, can I be one of your servants? And he's like, whatever. Put the robe on his back. Put the ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Kill the, the, the calf that we've been fattening up. Let's have a party and a celebration because my son who is dead, he's returning. He's my son. That's the love that God has for you and me because we are that wayward son. We are that one who has rejected his love and now who have been found by him and brought back into his grace because we've had faith in what Jesus alone has done. Amen? We should never stop being thankful and grateful for what he's done. Romans 12 and 1 says it like this in the King James. I like it in the King James where Paul wrote, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That word beseech means beg, pleading. I'm, I'm pleading with you. By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I like that word reasonable. I, I like that word reasonable. In light of what? what? It's my reasonable service. It's my reasonable response. In light of what? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in light of the mercies of God. It's reasonable. What does reasonable mean? It just makes sense. It's something that should totally be worth it. The value is there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. This is, this is a reasonable exchange for you to give your entire life, your body as a sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It's a reasonable exchange in light of the mercy of God. The mercy of God, Jesus being at the center, recognizing what he's done for us, this is a reasonable response for you and I as followers of Jesus. Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is the answer. It's the answer for what? It's the answer for everything. The gospel is the answer for everything. <coughs> it simply means good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. The good news is that Jesus took the punishment you and I deserved. He took the punishment you and I deserved, the punishment we earned as selfish humans. 
He took that for you and for me. And no matter what good we have done, we cannot outweigh and offset the demands of God's perfect law through our good deeds. We can do nothing to tip the scales of justice in our favor. None of us. That's not how this works. It's not a karma-based system. It is a grace and faith-based system. And we now have access to that grace by faith. We have access to justification in the eyes of God, legally, positionally, because of faith in Christ alone. It is all about what He has done. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer for everything. It is the best news you will ever hear. Are you catching this today? It is the best news you will ever hear. Think about the thing you were last most excited about, the thing that just got you jazzed. Maybe some of you got really pumped when you saw that Tom Brady lost in the playoffs. (laughs) And that was like super great news. You were excited to see that the Patriots are not going to make it any further. That was great. And maybe, what was the last surprise? Maybe it was something during Christmas time someone really surprised you with, and it just got you really excited, the thoughtfulness and the detail and the, and the planning and, and all of the fun little hiding and sneaking and, 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 and diversions that had to happen to, to make this super special surprise a reality. Think about how excited you were. What about when someone told you some great news that maybe something wonderful was happening in their lives or in your life? We go, man, that's great news. All of that combined together does not compare even a small micro amount to the good news of Jesus Christ. It does not even belong in the same category when we call something good news because the news of Jesus Christ having died for a sinner like you and me and loving us enough to take our place on the cross when that should have been us on the cross. Friend, can I tell you there is no better news? Can I tell you that there is nothing greater that there is nothing more that's why the gospel is the answer for everything let's keep reading romans chapter 5 verse 12 therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin so death spread to all men because all sinned for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given but sin was not counted where there is no law Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who were sinning, even those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So here in this section, he's basically making all of us guilty. That's really what Paul's trying to do. Paul's trying to say, listen, everyone's guilty. I I don't care. Like there's no excuse. Well, someone could say, well, they didn't have the law yet. He said, yeah, but death still reigned from Adam to Moses before the law was given. He said, even those people, nope, nope, nobody gets a pass. It doesn't matter if there was the law to hold them accountable, even pre-law. He said, everyone is guilty. Everyone, even if you didn't do what Adam did, because some people will say, well, I didn't, I didn't sin like Adam and Eve. Like, I didn't, you know, do that. I mean, like, I'm better than Adam and Eve, right? He's like, nope. 
Nobody. Everyone is in the same boat of hopelessness. Oh, wow, pastor, I'm so encouraged. Thank you for that. No. The bad news has to be bad in order for the good news to be good. Think about it. Your favorite movies, your favorite stories. It's always when it looks like the characters. There's no way that they're going to make it out of this alive. Oh, it's super bleak. Oh, there's nothing that's going to be able to rescue them or save them. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everything just turns around. It's got to get bad. It's got to get bad before the good news can truly be good. And this is the bad news. And Paul is trying to put everyone in the same boat. He's trying to help these these uh, Greek-speaking Romans and Jewish Christians understand it doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter if if, if you're Gentile. Everybody, hopeless without Christ. And he's trying to paint that picture and show that very clearly. But that's not the end of the story. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, Adam much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one's trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. He's saying, listen, this, this thing happened and, and it affected everybody. This changed the, the one man's trespass. It changed the course for everybody. But now there's this free gift. Now there's this opportunity. And it's not like the gift. It's not like it just changed. Now everybody is, is just reset and it's just back to where it was. He's saying, no, now, now there's this opportunity. And now there's justification available for verse 17. If by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous now the law came to increase the trespass but where sin increased grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through jesus christ our lord man this is good news and the gospel fixes literally everything and it does so because now my life is lived with jesus being at the center and i look at my challenges in light of eternity i think differently now and that's how it fixes literally everything that my life touches with christ being at the center i think differently about relationships in light of eternity i think differently about finances i think differently about forgiveness i think differently about raising my children i think differently about the way that i conduct myself uh, and the way that i act uh, both and perform it on the job and the things i'm pursuing and the things i'll say yes to and the things i'll say no to my mind is being renewed i'm beginning to value and think differently as i'm growing in this journey of sanctification and it's the gospel that keeps me grounded and rooted remembering and being thankful and being grateful and the life that i live is lived as a response to the goodness of god through sending his son jesus christ my values change 
when Christ is at the center. And so here is, here's my challenge to us as we begin this new year. A lot of you have already gotten in to reading Scripture. I think that's awesome. Don't just read Scripture and check the box, though. Meditate on it. Think on it. Uh, I think it's awesome. It's so cool, the, the read Scripture thing that we're doing as a church. I think that's wonderful. Uh, last I looked, there were uh, 190 people in that group on Facebook. It's insane. <laughs> it's awesome. We have 190 people that are wanting to go through and read the Bible together at Word of Grace. Um, and probably many more of you that may not even have Facebook or, or you're just reading Scripture. Maybe you're doing something different, but you're still pursuing uh, reading the Bible. I, I think it's awesome. It's wonderful. But don't just go through the motions. Don't just go, well, I did it, did the thing today. No, stop. Meditate. Allow your heart to get to that place of thankfulness, gratefulness, gratitude. Because when Jesus is at the center, everything else is revolving around. It, it touches, it changes everything. It, it changes the willingness I have to show grace to other people. Because why? I recognize what I've been given. And, and what I freely received, I start freely giving that type of grace. I start freely type of giving that type of love. I, and, and it's something that you didn't have to tell me necessarily how to do it. It's because of this overwhelming response of thankfulness, this overwhelming response of gratitude. We just came out of the most commercialized season in America that's supposed to be focused on Jesus. And so many people are focused on what they're going to get, what they don't have, what they want, what they need. And then the return lines are insane the next day after Christmas because maybe it didn't work out the way that they had hoped. But after all of that, can we just, can we kind of just detox to start our year and go, I need to remember Jesus is all I need. He's at the center. Everything else in life should be impacted, affected, and touched by him. And so this week, my challenge is for you to meditate on the power of the gospel. And I know a lot of you are in Bible reading plans and stuff like that, and I think you should continue that. So I'm not wanting to discourage you from continuing that, but I want to ask you, would you just read Romans 5 again? Would you just meditate on Romans 5 throughout the week? as you read through what he has done, as you think about our local gathering of believers and how we are to shift our priorities in light of the gospel to put our faith and to put our hope in Jesus Christ alone. God, help us do this. Help us put our hope, our faith, our trust in you and in you alone. You are at the center. Help us to do this, Lord. Help us to get our hearts positioned in that way, for your glory. Thank you, Lord.